This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Romans chapter 8 and verse 16. We started speaking about this last week. And so I just want to continue talking about it this week and we'll dive into things. But his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Children, you are a child of God. If you're a born again believer, you are a child of God. The funny thing about it is, I don't know that we really, well, no, I actually I do know. We really don't have a full appreciation for what that means. I've been thinking about that so much. The fact that we are a child of God and all that that potentially in, includes and, and is available to us. And what I find is so interesting about us as people is that very often when we approach the things of God and we approach God, we approach him from our perspective. And we're, so we take God and we put him through our filter. And so we limit God because we think this is possible. And what we do is because he's not limited by our possibilities, we put him through that and we inhibit God's move sometimes in our life and in our situations. All things are possible to him that believes. Our beliefs become so important. I want to just meander and I'm going to take a little bit of a journey today and, and I believe that you'll get something good out of this. But I just want to talk about a few things and go... And I want to start off at this point. I think sometimes, you know, I've, I've had people say to me, there seems to be like some common themes. Like, why do we always go back to the fact that God lives on the inside of us? Why is that so important to us? Why do we talk about that? And, and why does it keep, keep to be, seem to be something that's recurring? It's because it's a fundamental. It's a fundamental. What's so important for me is that I spent a big chunk of my time. I grew up in church. Or do you know those people? <laughs> Are you one of those people who grew up in church? It's, in some ways, it was a good thing that I grew up in church. In other ways, it wasn't a very good thing. It was good because the thing about it is it kept me grounded in a very wholesome environment. But it wasn't good in some ways because it almost numbed me to some of the things of God. I was brought up with certain thinking and certain dispositions and certain ways about things. And there was not necessarily an internal reality about those, those, those principles. And I began to realize later on in life is that we can learn so much about the principles of God that we miss God. And the challenge with it is, I don't know about you, but I got to a place in my life where I knew a whole bunch of stuff about the Bible because I'd been raised with it. But the life was absent. The life was absent. And it was like, well, what's the point of all of this thing? I just know a whole bunch of stuff. And we never like to admit it. But essentially what we're really doing is we're just saying I have a different philosophy to the world. I, we don't like to say that because we 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 good Christian folk, <laughs> but that's really what it is. Unless you really have the life of it, all you have is a philosophy. I don't want a philosophy. I wanted something more. And the interesting thing is, everything that we do in our Christian walk comes down to one single little point of union between me and Him. And so whether you're talking about faith or whether you're talking about righteousness, whether you're exploring covenants, whether you're talking about who you are in Christ, whether you're talking about identity, whether it doesn't matter what you're talking about. You can understand the principle. You can understand the truth of what's going on there. But unless you bring it into that context, what happens is you never realize the life of it. And so for me, it's important in all the things that we talk about to gain an understanding about all of these different principles because they're important. But unless we bring them back into the context of what that's all about, we never ignite the life that's on the inside of them. I want to live by the life. And so that becomes really important. Um, 
I thought about this. When you get to heaven, what do you think God's going to speak to you about? Have you ever thought about that? I know, I have weird thoughts. I thought about that because the thing about it is our journey that we're traveling right now, I don't think God's ever going to sit and say, well, what happened about your breakfast? What, what did you do about this? Tell me what. I don't think he's going to talk about that stuff. But I do think he is going to ask one question. And I think the question he's going to ask is this. What did you do with my son? When it speaks about the judgment, there's all kinds of thinking about it. This is my thing. This is what I believe. Okay. I believe the judgment is this. What did you do with Jesus? What did you do with him? Was he, did he hold a meaningful place in your life? Did you accept him as Lord or Savior or not? And if you did accept him as Lord and Savior, how well do you know him? Tell me about your journey with him. What was it like? Is he just a concept or do you have a relationship with him? It's so important for us in our Christianity to make sure that the principles of God, that the principles of our Christianity are in, incorporated into our relationship with him. I'm not married to Sarah to live a life that is independent of our union. I can't live a life that's independent. I'm still an individual in who I am. But the thing is, I am married to her. And so my life is explored in the context of that union. I can't walk outside of that union and be something independent of it. The principles that govern marriage, they're fundamentals. Love. I mean, hopefully you love your husband or your wife. It's pretty much a fundamental. Love. Love is a principle, but what does it look like in your marriage? Because it's going to look very different in your marriage than it does in mine. They talk about love languages. They've got all different expressions, interpretations of something called love. Really what it is, is you take the idea, you take the principle, but you apply it in the context and suddenly it takes on life and vitality and it takes on an intimate meaning between you and the individual. Amen. Our expressions of love might be quite different to yours. It doesn't mean they're better. It doesn't mean that they're worse. It just means they've been customized to us. We talk differently. Have you ever noticed that when you get married, the funny thing about it is very often you get into the context, into a place where you, I'll tell you like particularly with, with, with arguments, your arguments are so different. And sometimes you look at your spouse and you're like, how can you argue like that? And you know, they're sitting looking at you thinking the same thing. Why? Because you came from different backgrounds. And so you came from different places and the way that you dealt with things in those places, it's just who you are. And so the, you come to a point where the two of you work through it and some of us are slow learners. And so it takes us about 20 years to get to that point. But we get to the point where we understand what it is to have communication in a meaningful way. Something that's taken, that's, that's applied in the context of who you are and I am. It's customized to us. It fits our marriage. It fits our union. It fits what goes between you and me. But it might not work for you. It's like the things when it comes to raising kids. Everybody's got a theory about it. And there are lots of great books about raising kids, which is really important. And the funny thing is, even Sarah and I, before we even had kids, we spoke about what was important and how we wanted to raise our kids and what were the principles that we wanted to make sure that were built into them as they got older. And all of those things were right. There was nothing wrong with any of that stuff. But when it came to the application of it, it was completely different. When I had a look at Colton, 
when I had a look at Carter, when I had a look at Vivian. Does it mean that I throw the principles out? No. But what it means is their application in that context is completely different. The principles of the Bible, the principles of relationship, the principles of understanding God and my ability to be able to relate to him is going to create something called your story. And your story is going to be different to mine. Your world is different. Your calling is different. Your purpose is different. Your understanding of what's happening in, 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 in your world is completely different. It doesn't mean the principles are bad. It means you get to write your story with God. But until we're able to take those principles and bring it into that context, what ends up happening is it's compromised in some ways. Because I've got the principles, but I don't have the relationship. I've got to have the relationship. The relationship is not only there to be able to take the truths or the principles and to make them a reality, a customized application in the context of my life with God. But in that relationship, you're going to discover something. The spark plug. You see, until you discover the secret place, you'll never find the spark plug to your Christianity. You will live with a great philosophy. You may have wonderful principles, but you never have the spark plug. The spark plug is... Here we go. <laughs> Let me move everything out of the way. The spark plug is so important because do you know what a spark plug does? It releases a spark that generates an artificial lightning strike that creates a fire in the controlled chaos of your engine. It ignites everything and makes it happen. It puts into play an artificial bolt of lightning that all of a sudden life happens, fire happens, and all of a sudden everything that had potential, everything that could do something suddenly begins to do it. When we get into the intimacy of our relationship with God, when we get to that place where we be able, when we're able to build meaningful relationship with the Spirit, what ends up happening is He introduces the spark plug to your Christianity. It's not about principles anymore. It's about taking those things into the context of God, into the relationship with him and allowing him to do some stuff in me, to do some stuff through me, and to do some stuff in your world and in your life. The spark plug is so important. The spark plug is that intimate place. We don't have encounters with God if there's no life. We don't have encounters with God if there's no lightning. We've got to have some lightning. Sometimes when you talk about things like this, it's, it's interesting because I'm just talking about me now. But my reference point is always the Bible. And the Bible's great. It's, it's, hey, I wish I made it there. But the challenge for me sometimes is when you have a look at the Bible, your reference points are dividing the Red Sea, raising the dead. And it becomes, it became for me, that's the benchmark of your Christianity. But I don't want, I mean, if I get there, that's great. But that's not, what, that's, not my, that's not my ambition right now. I've begun to realize that God's interested in your life tomorrow. What does it look like? Forget about raising the dead or opening the Red Sea. Can you just take him and introduce him into Monday morning? Amen. 
What does that look like? How could he influence Monday morning for you? What does it look like for your family? What does it look like for your journey to work? What does it look like for your time in the office? What if we were just to take God and we were to take the reality and the life of who he is and we were to live it every day? What does it look like in that context? That makes God so much more accessible for me. If I get to the place where I'm raise the dead, glory be, I'll make it to TV. You'll see me on NBC (laughs) or whatever. But that's not my ambition anymore. I've begun to realize what's so much more important for me with God is getting to that place where I'm able to connect with him and I'm able to start my journey. And if I can bring him into the context for silly little things every day, it means the world. I lost my glasses and I was like, Holy Spirit, where are they? (laughs) But you know what? When he tells you and you go there and they there, it's like, oh, I just had an encounter with God. Oh, yeah, but did you raise the dead? No, but I found my glasses. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's not about the size. It's not about the magnitude. It's about the connection. Are you living out of relationship with God? When was the last time you went with him and sit and said, I can't deal with my kids anymore? <laughs> you told your wife that. What was she supposed to do? When does it like, go to God? You might be shocked at what he tells you. It's about an encounter every single day. I should be living in the expectation that when I wake up in the morning, he's there ready to go. What does it look like for you? What does it look like? It separates one from the other. You know, the Bible speaks about those who have a form of religion. But deny the power. I don't want the form without the power. I want the power. But the power is in the relationship. The power is not here to turn the world upside down. If I get there and I end up like Paul, that's great. But if I can turn my Monday morning on its head, I'll be happy. Turn your Monday upside down. You do realize the, 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 the magnitude of what's living on the inside of you? The spirit is on the inside of you. Let me give you some context to what he's talking about. Because we just sit and go, okay, well, you know, we had the spirit, now we've got a new spirit, and I used to be the old one, now I have the new one. And it's, no, 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 listen. The very spirit that is the nature and the character of God, the very spirit that is the nature and the character of Jesus Christ, the very spirit that is the nature and the character of the spirit himself is the very spirit that comes and dwells on the inside of you. God moved in. Do you know who moved in on the inside of you? Who moved onto the inside of you was the one at the very beginning of creation was hovering was hovering, who's moved into the inside of you has been the spirit, the spark plug, the lightning bolt, who was sitting waiting in the darkness to sit and say, fine, I can use my energy. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring about life and I'm going to bring about fruitfulness. In the time when God created man and it was nothing, just a mass of, of matter, Clay, dirt lying on the floor. It was the spark plug of the Holy Spirit that came, was breathed into man, and he became a living being. 
It was the spirit of God that created the body for Jesus. It was the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. It was the spirit of God that made you a new creation in Christ. It is the spirit of God that made you the temple so that he could move into that space. He's on the inside of you and he's looking for opportunities to have encounters with you and through you. God is not far away. The Father is in heaven. Jesus is at his right side, but the Spirit is within you. His very life is on the inside of you. What makes them three in one is the ability that they can commune with one another because they are of exactly the same Spirit. And what they're saying is, I'm inviting you into partnership with us. I'm making you a son. My Spirit bears witness with your Spirit. Not just that you are a son of God, but it's a continual daily introduction as to what that means to be a son of God. We should be different. We should live different. When we get to that place where we live from the secret place, we live from the place where we know the love that passes understanding. He will do some stuff and he will build into you an awareness of his love for you that you don't have to get through your intellect or your understanding. It comes because of relationing with him. And there's something on the inside. When, when I fell in love with Sarah and the more I've got to know her and the more I've got to love her over time, it wasn't because I sat there and I explored her and I wrote a big list down and I was like, fine, here's the audit, the pros and the cons. And over time, the pro list got bigger and the con list got smaller. And so my love for her started to grow. Why did it grow? Because I got to know her. And because as I got to know her, what ended up happening is what was alive on the inside of me grew exponentially. God wants to do some stuff in your life that's going to come out of relationship with him that you're not going to get from your understanding with God. It doesn't mean don't go and get into the Bible. All I'm saying to you is this. You're going to get some things out of relationship that you are not going to get through your understanding. To know the love that passes understanding. To be filled with the fullness of God. That's where he's going to fill you. If you're looking to be filled with the fullness of God, that's the place you go. To live in relationship with the one who's able to do exceedingly abundantly. Exceedingly abundantly. Exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask or think. You know what he's saying? You're human. You've got limits. So you're asking over here, but actually my provision is coming over here. God is wanting to overwhelm you with who he is. Get the Red Sea parting out of your mind. Let's look at Monday morning. Let's look at Monday morning. Oh my gosh. Um, Hold on. Where do we want to go here? Okay. Romans chapter 9 and verse 23. It's important to know that in this context and where we are with God, just leave that up there a sec, thank you. It's important to know this. God is going to start to do some stuff in our life. It's really important for him to do that. Why? Because he wants you to partner with him. Because he wants to move you to a place where you are whole and complete in yourself. He wants to get you to a place where you're able to accept the things of him and steward it effectively. He's doing some stuff in here in your life so that you realize the fullness of what it is to be a child of God, to steward that effectively, to live from that efficiently. He's doing some stuff in you. And if you really want to, 
know who you are in God, a good starting point is to discover what you are. What you are. So Romans chapter 9, verse 23, it says, And he did so make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory. Uh, Sorry, I wanted 21 to 23. Do you have 21 with you? Let's do 21 first. Um, Or does not the potter have a right over the clay to make from the same lump one one vessel for honorable use and another for common use? Then 23. And he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory. What he's trying to say to us is this. I want you to experience who I am. And when you experience who I am, you will live from that. And basically what comes out of your life will be the fruit of relationship with me. What he's saying in this is is something very interesting. He's saying that you're a vessel. You are a vessel. When he created you, he created you as a vessel. A vessel is a container. A container is designed to contain something, to carry something. That's what a container is. You're built as a container. The reason that he created us as a container is because he wanted to put his spirit on the inside of us. He wanted to create a space where we could take his spirit and allow his spirit to come in. He wanted to create a space where we could live in harmony and in relationship with him together with us. He's doing something in us because he's creating more and more of an opportunity for us to live out of relationship with him. He's creating a space for him to move into a place where he and I can commune together. What's so interesting about the spirit, which is different to the other, which is to when compared to Jesus is this. The spirit is the inner life of God. That's what the spirit is. When Jesus came, Jesus manifest the father externally. When the Spirit comes, the Spirit comes to manifest the Father and the Son internally. That what it means is this. There is a relationship that exists between the Holy Spirit and you. It's about revelation and manifestation. The reason that he created you as a container is he created you as a container because he wanted to fill you with who he was. And when he fills you with who you who he is, you've become a brand new creation in Christ. And so every time that we go to him and we spend time with him, what he's doing is he's taking the fullness of who that is, the truth of what that is, and he's revealing it to us bit by bit. He's opening up and exposing us more and more to the truth of who we are. And as we begin to see who we are and recognize who we are, it affects who we are. And the result of that is it goes into our life and it changes us and we live differently. When you change, your world will change. When you change, your world will change. When the substance that you're using to define who you are changes and you start to live off a new substance, you will change. And when you change, your world will change. There's an interesting, there's an interesting principle. And they talk about it a lot. It's, it's, one of the key drivers of for growth and development, and it's called fulfillment. Do you know what fulfillment is? The definition of fulfillment is, um, hold on, I'll tell you exactly because the word is important. It's to bring to completion. It's to bring to completion, to bring to reality. Fulfillment is to bring to completion and to bring to reality. 
everybody has that built on the inside of them. Because one of the key drivers of our life is we want to be fulfilled. We want to be complete. We want to be whole, not just in a conceptual way, but in a reality. We want to live from something. And we recognize the fact that there are deficits in our life. And when there are deficits in our life, what happens is when we don't have contents on the inside of us, or we're not relating to the contents on the inside of us, what we do is we go outside of ourselves to go and find that, to find the fulfillment, to find that completion on the inside of us, to find a sense of reality. And the thing is, you can find it in some places. It's just not sustainable. That's why we go to people because you know what? I'm looking for you to make me happy. I'm looking for you to make me happy. Why? I like being with you because when you, I'm with you, we joke and we laugh and we have fun and you make me happy when I'm with you. The problem with it is when you're not around, then happiness begins to wobble. The problem with it is when you are not always feeling in a jovial mood, my happiness is compromised. We laugh about it, but you know how often in, re in intimate relationships, particularly marriage relationships and intimate friendships, we look for our partner to fulfill things in us that they were never supposed to do. What am I doing? I'm trying to find fulfillment. I'm trying to find that sense of completion. And when I'm with you and you do this, I'm complete. And when I'm complete and you deliver, I'm in a good space. But when you're not delivering, I'm not happy because of you. It creates issues in our relationship. Why? Because I'm going to you to get something from you that I was supposed to get from God. And what happens with it is it becomes a problem because you get upset because I want you to make me happy and you're not delivering and the other person on the other side is not happy because you're sucking me dry. You always come to me. I've always got to deliver. I've always got to affirm. I've always got to be in a place where I make you feel happy. I've always got what's happening in the space. It's completely out of context because I haven't recognized the fact that I'm a vessel. And within me is Christ, the spirit of Christ. And if I can go to him and I can say to him, I need something. I've recognized the fact that there's a deficit in my life. I'm not fulfilled in this area and I'm looking for completion. It's the best place to go. It's the best place to go. God is always looking to bring us to a place of completion and he's the only one who can do it. He's the only one that can fill us in a way that is meaningful, that is real and that is sustainable. That's what he does. That's why it's so important. The thing is, it all begins to change because the moment he fills me up, the, mom the moment I move to that place where all of a sudden I'm whole and I'm complete, I am fulfilled. And when I'm fulfilled, my relationships change. All of a sudden, I don't need you anymore. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Number one, it's liberating for you. I, I can be who I want to be. I can suddenly feel the pressure's gone. I don't have to deliver anymore. I feel free in myself because all of a sudden I can reestablish different boundaries. And what happens is I'm not taking from you. I'm not looking to get something from you. And so because of that, I can begin to recognize and appreciate you in a completely different way. When I change, my situations change. When I change, my worlds change. When I change, my relationships change. All of a sudden, I can actually live from loving you rather than needing you. And when I can live from loving you, I can get myself into a healthy place. Listen to this. Listen, this is important. I can love you 
Do you know what love means? A couple of things. Number one, it means I'm not running your race. And so the thing is, I can put up a boundary. And there are going to be times where you can behave the way that you do, and it's not very nice. And maybe you don't speak very nicely. And maybe you do things. And you know, but I can listen, and I can look at it, and I can love you objectively without allowing that to interfere with me. And in that space, I could sit and say, you know what? You're just running your race. But then you deal with stuff. So what you say is, now that's just not appropriate. Because the thing is that in the space, that is destructive. It's unhealthy. So I don't want to be around that. So can you change that behavior? That's fine. No, I don't want to. Okay, hold on. I don't need you anymore. I'm here because I want to be. I'm here because I love you. But I'm not going to be the whipping boy. I'm not going to be in the situation where I'm going to live in an environment where I become the scapegoat to let you live any way that you want. So it's like, fine, you can behave that way. Let me know when you're finished. Well, I'm leaving. Oh, I'm good. I'm happy. I'm complete in God. Have fun. It changes things. The dynamics begin to shift and change. The balance begins to move in different ways because all of a sudden I'm not needed anymore. All of a sudden I can't have license to behave any way that I want because there are implications and there are ramifications. It's healthy because that's how we grow. My poor wife has to, she's lived with me for over 20 years and she's been so patient. <laughs> But I, in my 50s, I'm learning some stuff. But you begin to learn. And you discover some things. And what ends up happening is it changes the disposition to, to life. It positions you in a place where you're healthy. And when you're healthy, you can look at life and people and circumstances and opportunities objectively. Why are you taking that job opportunity? Because it really fulfills your destiny and your purpose? Or because they're giving you a bigger paycheck? Why are you moving into the expensive neighborhood that you can't afford? So that you can keep up with the Joneses? We start to look at life differently. And suddenly, the way that we handle situations becomes completely new. We become more functional, more whole, and more mature in Him. He changes us. When you find your wholeness in Him, outside of your job or things or money or status or people, it'll put you in the most solid place you can be. It'll put you in a solid place. I've got to hurry a little bit because otherwise I'm going to run out of time. You know what makes relationship with Him so solid? Is the fact He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What makes it so solid is this. He lays claim to something that nobody else can lay claim to. Truth. You see, when I get into relationship with him and I allow, my, I allow who he is to define who I am, truth comes into play. And when truth comes into play, that is a very solid foundation to base your life on. And when you build your life on truth, what ends up happening is I have a a foundation that'll sustain me that I can build on. Truth is so important. So I started thinking a little bit about truth. And I want to chat for a few minutes about truth. Truth is this. Truth is coming in 
into agreement with fact. Truth is coming into agreement with fact. In our life, when God deals with us, God deals with us at a deep level. He deals with us through revelation. So what it means is this. When we step into truth with God, it's not about a knowledge issue. It's an identity issue. It's not about what you know. It's about who you are. So when you step into truth and you step into fact, what God is doing is God is getting you grounded and God is getting you established in fact. Sorry. Do you want me to just change this? Is it bothering you? Okay. <laughs> you always have to have one difficult one. You ground your life on truth because truth can sustain you because truth is fact. The objective or the aim of belief is truth. Think about that a minute. The aim of belief is truth. I want to take all of who I am and I'm going to put my eggs in which basket? I want to be sure that it's truth. Because you can put all your eggs in one basket and you can invest your trust in something, but if it's not truth, there are consequences to being wrong. The thing about truth is this. God lays claim to truth and he doesn't care what anybody else thinks. God says there is such a thing as facts and there is such a thing as being wrong. I hold facts and anything that is outside of that is wrong. I'm sorry, but liberal people don't like that idea. Liberal people don't think that it's all encompassing. Liberal people don't feel that it's all, uh, uh, it, it's, it's accepting of all points of view. And God says, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Why? Because you can still live, choose to live your life any way that you choose to. Understand this, though. What you invest your eggs in has consequences. If you get bad advice when it comes to investments, you'll bear the consequences of it. If you put your eggs in that basket, if somebody comes and says to you, you know what, I know that you've been struggling with this. You need to take this medicine. If it's the wrong medication, there are consequences to it. One of the biggest decisions you ever make in your life is what you choose to do spiritually because there are consequences and eternity is a long time. There are consequences to choices. There are consequences to choices. God's sitting saying, I want you grounded and I want you rooted in truth. The thing about it is that place where you decide to invest your eggs, the place that you're investing your belief in is going to determine where you end up. I think sometimes we do things a little bit too, um, perhaps it could be a little bit more thought through. I think sometimes we jump in to do some stuff before sitting thinking about, hold on a second, do I really believe that? Do I really believe that? Because depending on what you believe is going to determine where you get spat out at the end. And not everybody ends up at the, at the same place. So our belief becomes really important. The thing about it is this, this is so interesting. When I had a look at what belief means in the, the Greek, belief means um, aletheia. And basically its reference is to divine revelation. It's more, it's distinct from a concept and it is how a world is disclosed or opened up. Oh, isn't that amazing? Do you know what it's really saying? It's saying truth can only be found in the divine. 
And not only is truth only going to be defined in the divine, it's not just a concept or an idea. It's about the unveiling of a whole world. It's disclosing the truth of who you are and how you're supposed to live. I thought that was quite good. Um, so truth becomes so important. Sorry, I'm just jumping a little bit here because... Uh, 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 uh. Let me go to let me go to Acts chapter nineteen. Let's jump over there. Oh, in a few minutes. Acts chapter nineteen. I'm going to read um, from verses eleven to sixteen. It says, "Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them." Before we carry on, I just want to talk about that a minute. I want to go back to what the Bible says. We read a little bit earlier about who we are, and we are a vessel. If we're a vessel, we're a container. As a container, we're designed to carry something. We, we were designed to carry God. This is such a good example of Paul living in relationship with, with the spirit on the inside of him, but understanding the fact that they are still distinct entities. Paul didn't do this. Read what it says. Paul didn't do it. Paul was the carrier. Paul was the vessel. Paul was the container of what was on the inside of him. And what was on the inside of him was the spirit of God. And the spirit of God did some stuff through Paul that affected the world. It's such an important principle for us because the thing about it is this. A container is not something that's designed to work. It's designed to carry. It's designed to carry. We are taught all of our lives, you need to do something for God. You need to work for God. But that's not what it says. It says you're not a piece of equipment, you're a container. You're not an equipment, you're a container. Now, I understand the whole thing about making yourself available to God and being led by God and doing what God wants you to do. I get that. And in the context of working for God that way, I get it. But there are too many people who are working really hard for God without recognizing the fact that they're not equipment, they're a container. They've never got to the place where they recognize the fact that God wants to do some stuff through them. And as a result of that, they're living in relationship with the presence on the inside of them. And when the presence says, I want you to go over here and I want you to just lay hands on them and just pray for them. What is it saying? It's saying, I want to do something through you. I didn't ask you to do it. This is why a relationship gets so important. One of these days, I'm, I'm gonna, I know we, we, we spoke about the words of God and we spoke about the logos of God, but I've never really touched on the rhema of God. Maybe we'll at, at some point, I don't know. But the point is this, that's where the rhema of God comes in. We think we have to work really hard to, for God. We think we have to work really hard to build up our faith. We think that we have to work really hard to believe. We're doing all of this stuff without recognizing the fact that you're not equipment, you're a container. 
if you get to that realization and you allow that revelation to just seep into, to completely change your paradigm and your mindset, you'll recognize the fact that actually I can't do anything in and of myself. But what could I do if I just connected with the life that's on the inside of me and allowed him to direct me, to influence me, to give me his perspective on life, to show me what should be happening in situations, to give me the words that I need to be able to go and sit down with my child and speak to them and talk to them about the challenges that they have. What happens in that context? When we begin to live as containers, everything shifts in our world because then we begin to recognize, I'm not trying to do anything for God. I'm not trying to work for God. All I'm trying to do is relate to him. Just let me get to that place where I can hear his voice and I can be quick to obey. And when I do those things, what ends up happening is I position myself for getting into the Bible. <laughs> That's how Paul got in there. I'm not going to get into the Bible. It's just a joke. I have to be careful because you'll be amazed. What, anyway, sure, well, I'll get myself into even more trouble. Um, well, oh, <laughs> sure. Where are we going with this? Yes. Um, so we want to understand that, that we are containers of God. And there were some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists who took it upon themselves to call um, the name of the Lord Jesus over to those evil spirits saying, we exorcise you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish, uh, Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Here's the point. We are to be vessels. We are containers that carry the life of God on the inside of us. He has a will and an intention of his own. And my responsibility is to come into a union with him where I understand who he is, I'm sensitive to his promptings, and I'm quick to obey. And in that space, it's getting to the point where I allow him to also begin to redefine who I am in something called truth. The reason truth becomes uh, important is because it is a constant. And what ends up happening is it liberates me and sets me free to be the authentic person that I'm designed to be. But what happens is it brings me to a place where I begin to, oh, I forgot to tell you something. I just felt it now. Sorry, I don't have a, a modern case of scurvy. I had to go to the dermatologist. <laughs> so if you're wondering what all these funny things are on my face, <laughs> they always get excited with that little gun. Have you noticed? I, th I probably would do the same if I was a dermatologist. I would find spots because I just like shooting. <laughs> anyway. To get established in truth because he wants us because when we were established in truth, what ends up happening is it liberates us and it sets us free so that we can be the truth of who we are and who he's called us to be. But not only that, you're going to step into the newness and the fullness of who you are. You are going to be changed because who you are in your identity is going to be important. Every time somebody comes up against you and they begin to challenge you, what they're really saying is, who are you? Do you want something from me or can I get something from you? Every time circumstances and situations come up, it's demanding to know who are you. And so when it talks about putting on the, it's, I think it's Matthew chapter four. Uh, da, 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 da. I'm pretty sure it's Matthew chapter four. It talks about putting on the armor of God. You know what the armor of God is? Here's a big shock. 
What it's really saying is he's inviting you to experience the revelation of who he is and to put on Christ. Every aspect of the armor of God is all about who Christ is. And it's beginning, it's moving to a place where we allow the spirit that's on the inside of us begin to show us the truth of who we are. And so when it says, put on the belt of truth, we touched on truth and the importance of truth to get us, to get ourselves grounded on a foundation that is all about facts. Facts from God's perspective. Why is it so important? Your foundation is the most important thing to your life. And the reason that it's so important is because it talks about what, what, what materials constitute your being. You have, you're a machine and you were built as a machine. And so you have working parts. And the working parts that you have is you have your cognitive abilities and your reason that's moving. You have your emotions, you have your choices, your, your decision-making capacity. All of those things are operating all the time. The thing about it is none of them have a life of their own. You know what they live off of? Your foundation. If you want to change your life, change your foundation. Why? Because it's the material that feeds all of that. Whatever defines your foundation is the material that your thoughts use. It begins to meditate on whatever's on the inside of me. That's what begins to define that. It's intended to run and move and think and consider because we were designed to consider and spend our time meditating on the things of God. Be careful. That's why God tells us to watch your heart. What he's saying is watch what forms your foundation because it becomes what you begin to think about. If you're awake at night, there's something in your foundation. Think about it. What, what, what's, what, what is it that, that, that's inciting that on the inside of you? It may be. I'm not saying it is. It may be. You want to change the way you feel? Change your foundation. I can promise you your feelings are coming from what's happening in your foundation because it's affecting what you think and it's affecting, as a result of that, the consequence of that is how I feel. If I'm afraid of, if I look at airplanes and I think if I'm going to get on that airplane, I'm probably going to crash and die. Those are my thoughts. I have no security and no com confidence in an airplane. What does that mean? It means emotionally I look at that and it translates into fear. Right. And so that affects my decision I'm not getting onto the plane. It's a simple way of trying to show us that what defines our foundation is really important, but I'm running out of time. So the point is this, you, you, you've got the buckle of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is not a concept. Truth is a person. And so when you put on Christ, what ends up happening is you get your life established in truth. My feet shod with the preparation of peace. What is peace all about? When my foundation is established on truth, all of a sudden I'm aware of what's happening in my world. I'm aware of what's happening in my environment. I'm aware of what's happening in my relationships, but I'm okay because you know what? I'm not established on that. And so that stuff is going to move and that stuff is going to wobble, but I know what I'm established on. I can live from that sense of peace. Sword of the Spirit, that's the rhema. When I get into a place where I'm intimate and I'm communing with God and I can hear his voice, he gives me some stuff. And when God says, you know what? I want you to know something, that by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. When you hear his voice that, it doesn't matter what anybody says, you've got a weapon that you can take out there. And it says, you know what? It doesn't matter what I'm facing right now. It doesn't matter what's happening in my body right now. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Shield of faith. 
shield of faith. Breastplate of righteousness. God's favorite. Established in the fact that I'm in right standing with him, no matter what. Helmet of salvation. Having God's disposition to the world and to life. When we get on the armor of God, it's stepping into the true identity of who you are. It's being conformed to the image of Christ. And when you conform to the image of Christ, the thing is, stuff can happen around about you. But you know what? When you're established in that, you can stand. When you get to the place where there's some things you can do in the natural. And there's some, you, you, you need to do some stuff. God will say to you, I need you to do this. Repent of that. That was pretty of a bad one. And I want you to go and put this right with the person. I don't know what he's going to tell you. But the thing is, once you've done that, having done all to stand, you stand in who I am. I'm standing in the armor of who God is. I'm standing in my true identity as a creation of Christ. I'm standing as a, as, as a child of God. Who you are is so important. Don't leave it to chance. Be aware of the fact that as a container, he's put his life on the inside of us and he's inviting us to get to that place where he wants us to live from that in a meaningful way. Connect with him. Meet with him. Allow him to influence you. Get to the place where you invite him into your life. He's looking for invitations. He's, 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 uh, I had a pastor who always used to say this. The Spirit of God is such a gentleman. He's never presumptuous and he's not going to do so. He'll wait on you. He'll wait on you. Why? Because I've given you free will. What do you want to do? Write your story with God. Make it fabulous. He wants to. Above all that you can ask, all that you all that you can ask or think, he's got some great stuff in store for you. Life with God should be the most exciting. And what does that look like for you on a Monday morning? It's probably going to be very different as to what it looks like for me. It doesn't matter. It's your story. Write your story. Write your story. Father, I just want to thank you for people right now. I thank you, Father, that you filled everyone with, with your life. The very essence of your being fills us. I pray that you'll begin to open up our eyes and give us a revelation and an understanding of what truly inhabits us, the very God of the universe. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to begin to work in our lives, and we make ourselves available to you. I want to thank you for your promptings, your revelation, your guiding, your invitations. I thank you for the plans and the purposes that you have for every person. I want to thank you that as we journey through this week, I ask for two things. I pray firstly that you will begin more and more to reveal to each one of us a fuller revelation of who we are in you. And I pray, Father, secondly, that this week you will prompt us at times.
times where you want to do something through us. I pray that we'll be sensitive to hear your inclination and quick to obey. I thank you for encounters with you. Things that change us. That strengthen our relationship with you. And make us more mature. We bless you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen.